Hello, this is Dr. Kevin Connors, and welcome to another edition of Connors Clinic Live. Today, we are bringing a great guest from Canada. So up in Montreal, Canada, Nick, uh, Nick Pino is, I know him as an expert in EMF um, and the dangers of EMF. I subscribe to his newsletter. Oh gosh, maybe it was a year or so ago. Maybe it was longer than that ago. And just the wealth of knowledge that you have and that you bring to the table regarding the dangers of EMF um, uh, to our health. And now it should even be a little bit more scary with 5G rolling out. So I'm gonna stop talking um, and I want to gain information from you and have our listeners learn from you. So Nick, tell us more about you. Sure. Well, I'm I'm a citizen journalist. I'm from Montreal, and I've been writing about health and mainly nutrition was my main topic of interest and how to pick the right foods in the grocery stores and whatnot. When I started getting into health uh, after university, I have a background in communications, and uh, then I did ad- advertising for a few years. So I've always been writing and doing marketing, and this is this is where I guess I was able to self-publish my book online and actually find audiences for it is part of the reason uh, because I, I do have a marketing background. So when I when I stumbled upon the topic of VMS in around 2015 and 16, uh, I read several books that inspired me from scientists such as the late Dr. Martin Blank, who, um, who was a professor at Columbia University, and he had a background in biology and physics. And to him, the dangers of EMS were very, very crystal clear. And I discovered at that point that there were... Uh, it's a, it's a, it's around 240 to 300 scientists worldwide that are studying EMS with little funding. Most of them are self-funded or are true philanthropy or, or nonprofits because it's not a popular topic and almost no one wants to look at it. Uh, and these scientists have tried to warn governments and the UN and the WHO that actions need to be taken in the sense that we need to start reducing our exposure to these fields. And I'm talking about the EMLs, the electromagnetic fields emitted by cell phones, Wi-Fi, and Bluetooth that are so ubiquitous these days. So that's that was really my story was discovering the topic and then trying to make sense of it for, for me, my friends, my immediate family, and then writing my findings in a book, which I published in 2017. Well, t- tell us a little bit about your book. We had to push sure. your book here. Yeah, uh, the non-tinfoil guide to EMFs, it's called. And that's a kind of a cheeky title. So people who don't know what what this is referring to, a lot of uh, even even the uh, Justin Trudeau, our uh, inc- incredible premier, uh, talked about tinfoil hatters uh, very recently in a speech talking about conspiracy theorists. And in other words, it's a it's a deprecating way of, of talking about people who believe that EMFs is a problem because they were in in certain depictions uh, um, like uh, like in that movie Signs with uh, Joe and Phoenix, people were tinfoil hats to protect themselves from extraterrestrial sending sure. signals or something like that. So uh, I, I wanted to have that in the title because there's some, and I must say a lot of information on the internet that is 
hyperbolic, incorrect, kind of fear-mongering around EMS. And I think it is, it is creating a lot of troubles for scientists that are studying the topic and publishing very legit and credible information. It's kind of um, mudding the waters, if you will. So unfortunately, yeah. there's a lot of craziness that is said about EMS. The, the, the reality, as I, I put it in my book, is that this is an environmental toxin, and we need to consider it the same uh, as uh, the toxins we find in our foods, such as pesticides or glyphosate and whatnot, or the toxins in water. And we saw that many people who listen to this or who are interested in health these days, after hearing about the amount of glyphosate that is found in, in everyday foods, or after hearing about different um, different municipal waters that, that were tainted with different heavy metals or copper and, and whatnot, they realized that we need to minimize our exposure to these environmental toxins. Uh, the topic of EMFs is the same. The difference is that for some people, it's a little bit harder to grasp because these are invisible signals and it's not like you're putting something in your body such as drinking or eating something. But those signals are around us and when they are closest to our body, this is where they create the most stress. So it is an environmental stressor that is uh, that we must not overlook well and i really like what you said about we don't want to be fear mongers and paint a picture that is too far on one side yes that emfs are going to kill everybody and um, because we know from a genetic standpoint and just from a clinical standpoint that different people are affected different ways yes. can you talk a little bit about that Sure. There are um, there are many lines of evidence that show that certain people have uh, a genetic uh, background. It, it could be genetic, could be something else, but they just react in a very, very um, important way when they are faced with EMFs. And they they will these individuals. Some some researchers would call them electrohypersensitives. Um, some would say that's microwave illness in the sense that oh, it's not a sensitivity because every Everyone is impacted. There are different terms for it. Uh, environmentally acquired illness is also a category of disease where, um, depending on which attorney or doctor you talk to, they will have different terms for it. But uh, you could have in a couple, and this this happens oftentimes. Women seem to be more sensitive. So in a in a given couple, they might be in their home using the phone, the Wi-Fi, the Bluetooth. Um, earpiece, anything like that. And the man usually doesn't have a sensitivity or it's a little bit more rare. And the women have an extreme sensitivity in many situations. So for example, one, one of the two partners might be able to get sleep, uh, deep sleep, no problem with a phone uh, under the pillow or near their bedstand, whereas the, the sensitive person, so-called so sensitive, might have problems with sleep. And when they turn off, the sensitive individual turn off the cell phone, they see a dramatic reduction in or improvement in their sleep, a reduction in how much it impacts their sleep quality. So it's really individual and it does not necessarily correlate with the state of health. And that's a tricky, tricky part. Some people with chronic disease or who already have many environmentally acquired sensitivities, such as chemical sensitivity, um, 
are normally or in many situations also EMF sensitive. So in those individuals, it's more like of an acquired sensitivity to EMFs. But the fact remains that I, I still see individuals that are that have perfect labs, very healthy lifestyles, and they are just sensitive de facto. They seem to have some researchers think this has to do with certain uh, um, certain SNPs, certain epigenetic switches being uh, impacted, such as uh, the calcium uh, uptake in certain certain genes that are related to calcium uptake or to uh, nitric oxide production. But it, there's no, really, we don't have a definitive answer about what makes one person sensitive and the next not sensitive. Yeah, I would agree with you wholeheartedly there. Um, uh, you know, uh, we get comments from our patients like, how do we get rid of all the EMFs? How do we make our house EMF free? And I try to tell people, uh, you can't. So well, the idea is you try to reduce exposure, just like you know, how do you get rid of all the toxins in your environment so you're not going to exactly. swallow any pesticides? Uh, you can't. Even if you eat perfect and all organic and you never go out to eat, you're still going to be exposed yep. to pesticides and herbicides. Uh, EMFs are going through us right now. That's why we can you know, put up a radio, uh, turn it on, and we can get you know 40 different stations because radio waves are going through us right now so it's impossible to live in a bubble where you're not going to be exposed to these things so what are what are some general things that you recommend to you know you still we still all have to have cell phones we still all have to have computers we're on a computer right now what are some things that you can do to reduce exposure Sure. Well, the number one room that should be mitigated against CMS where you should really pay attention is your bedroom. Um, and this is because most of the harms of EMF seems to be uh, by depriving you of the best sleep you can get, which has uh, itself an impact on your repair mechanism, on your ability to detoxify, on your ability to uh, keep your blood sugar um, uh, stable and things like that. So it's very, very important to reduce EMF exposure when you're trying to get shut-eye. And one of the mechanisms could be that EMFs is something that's keeping keeping you excited, that is something that is preventing your nervous system from going in that rest mode, in that, that parasympathetic mode. Uh, and this is often seen in people that are more uh, sensitive. I remember that I used to be more sensitive when my state of health wasn't as good. And when a Wi-Fi router was open uh, near me in an apartment I rented in Montreal back in 2017 with my wife. Uh, when the Wi-Fi router was on at night mistakenly, because usually we turned it off, but when it was on, I woke up sometimes at 3 a.m. with my heart beating so fast. So a, a, a type of adrenaline rush, uh, a stress reaction, and that's oftentimes what people describe, either that or they cannot, uh, they're insomniac, they cannot uh, calm down and finally go to sleep. So they toss and turn. So this is really why you want to turn off the cell phone in your room or set it as far away as possible from your pillow, right? So create that distance from these machines, turn off the laptop, turn off uh, if you have Bluetooth alarm clocks or cordless phones, any of these wireless machines, you do not want to set them very close to the pillow as far away as possible or in another room. So it depends on what setup you have. But generally speaking, nothing 
under the pillow, nothing on the bed stand on that table. There should not be wireless devices there. So if you only follow that, a lot of people re report improvements in their sleep quality. So this is really number one. And I would argue number two is the room where you spend most of your days. And for many people, for me as an entrepreneur, these days I work at home a lot. So it would be the same room as my bedroom that's also my office but it would be that computer so what do you do with that computer whether you're at the office uh, in an outside environment or at home and what you can do and what you should do is opt for wired technologies rather than wireless and this is still feasible you can hire a, an IT company and they can uh, have a wire run from your router to your computer and that's an ethernet cable and many people uh, tell me that they're surprised to hear that the wired technologies even exist nowadays because we're all about Wi-Fi, but it is more stable. It is uh, faster than uh, Wi-Fi, much more reliable. Uh, it's unhackable also on an internet uh, security standpoint or much harder to hack. And and then it's, it's something that is a, a semi-permanent solution where if you're in an office environment and you do not plan to move your laptop around and work on the sofa and here and there, which is my case and the case of most entrepreneurs I talk to these days, well, why would you be on Wi-Fi? There's really no uh, benefit to be on Wi-Fi. It's just something that people do. But if you can avoid it, it's going to be uh, it's going to represent a big chunk of your overall cumulative exposure to EMS that's going to go down, which is why you want to focus on it. If you work on a computer like me about 40 hours per week. Yeah, that's great advice. Yeah, we tell people to turn their Wi-Fi, just put it on a little toggle switch where you can flip it off every yeah. night. And very good. Uh, when you're not using it, turn it off. It's more difficult if you're in an apartment where you're, you know, you're at three neighbors, you know, that are close vicinity of you, they all have their Wi-Fi on. You're really bombarded with Wi-Fi. Um, maybe have a talk with them and maybe try to communicate with them and share the the benefits, uh, health benefits of reducing that, you know, at least at certain times of the day. That's very true. And the fact remains, depending on your setup, your Wi-Fi router might be the one that is closest to your body. And that's that's often the case. Even if it's not the case, turn it off. Uh, it's, it's, it's not as much the power levels that is harmful as the sheer amount of different devices that we have in our vicinity. The more different devices you have, the more chaos that is being sent through your body. So just as an overall principle, if you turn off your devices at home, you're doing good. If you try to minimize how, much, how exposed you are by your cell phone and you decide to take calls on a corded landline or you decide to take calls on your computer on a true Skype or Zoom instead of a cell phone on your face, well, you're reducing exposure and you're doing good. So again, when it comes to EMF, there's a lot of exposures we cannot initially turn off. I cannot... At the moment, I cannot tell my neighbor, okay, turn off your router. I might convince my neighbor, which would be good. But again, I cannot go outside Montreal and see a cell tower and say, oh, I'm going to turn that off tonight to sleep better. Um, doesn't work that way at the moment. So you cannot initially um, shield yourself against all the outside exposures, although there are more advanced strategies that do exist to create a shielded room, for example. And some doctors in functional medicine uh, that uh, I've been 
um, interviewing in the last years are doing that for some patients, especially the electrosensitive ones that live in a city environment or in a highly electropolluted environment. In, the, in those cases, this is equivalent to doing a mold remediation that is more advanced for these patients. Um, if they do not shield the bedroom or dramatically reduce exposure, sometimes they're unable to cope with that exposure and they just keep getting worse. Right. And we've had people use grounding sheets, grounding mm -hmm. pillows. We've had people put a grounding sheet over the top so they're enveloped in a ground. Uh, if they're in an um, environment where the, the bedroom is adjacent to a wall of somebody, uh, you know, another person like in an apartment or condo, they may hang a grounding sheet on the wall. doesn't look very pretty, but it's a matter of your health. It's important. Um, so there are other and more advanced things, but you brought up yeah. the big point of that this these are cumulative. So the the more that you can do to reduce, the better you're going to be. It's not about getting down to ground zero. It's not really even possible in most environments, but you're just trying to reduce um, that exposure. And that's going to be the best thing for health. Completely correct. And um, I, I, I try to show everyday example uh, of, of what I do when I travel, for example, on my YouTube channel. And sometimes it's as simple as entering a hotel room. That's a good example because that's a new environment that you don't know. You don't know what uh, emits EMS in that room and you want to get restorative sleep. Maybe you're in between two flights or um, sometimes I'm giving a conference in the US. So I want to get a good night of sleep and, and rest and repair. But I just look um, in the environment near the bed stand and sometimes there's a cordless phone, sometimes there's the Bluetooth alarm clock and I don't need these. Uh, if I need to call the front desk, I will plug the phone back in and, and dial zero and that's fine. But during the night, it keeps emitting at very, very strong intensities, uh, which is downright silly because the rest of the room is set up as these comfy pillows and the, the room is so comfortable. But a lot of people report to me that they don't feel well in hotel rooms and part of it is might be the chemicals they use for cleaning and whatnot but also the emfs are quite high in most rooms that i've measured so it's just a matter of of knowing these things and you don't see it but you can have an extra set of eyes through the use of an emf detector for example so you could go through the room and look at different machines and does this smart TV emit a signal? If so, I can unplug it. And and then you get a better night of sleep and you just try to minimize the levels in that room. And again, elimination is certainly not possible, but if you can only do that uh, over time, over time you reduce your exposure and the scientific studies have confirmed that the bulk of our exposure still is coming from the Wi-Fi router, from the cordless phone, from the cell phones, and from uh, the different machines plugged in Wi-Fi, such as a laptop or a desktop computer. So it's still true that the bulk of our exposure comes from these things. Of course, we have outside exposures that we, we can think about, but yeah, for more sensitive patients, it makes more sense to think about the outside environment. For someone not sensitive, just trying to do preventative me measures, I think it's very um, it's very important to let everyone know that you can control these things and that it does make a difference when you do. So a lot of people are concerned about 5G. 
Yes. So we need to touch on that. What's the, you know, the, the, the truth about 5G? Well, a lot of it is unknown because it's just starting, but give us your take on how we can protect ourselves. What is the dangers of it, et cetera? Yeah, correct. Uh, you know, the biggest study about um, carcinogenicity uh, of these EMFs came out in 2018. And uh, that was the NTP study, the National Toxicology Program. It studied 2G and 3G technologies. And that's a project that started at the end of the 90s. And it took pretty much 20 years to organize, put together, do the study, do the peer review. And their conclusion was that, okay, this is a clear carcinogen in rats and mice in uh, a few cancer uh, or tumor types. So it tells you that, okay, the dangers are there, but it also tells you something that is, you got to read between the lines. This was 2G and 3G technology that was being used in that study that just ended four years ago as we're recording this. So that's kind of crazy to me that, well, these technologies are are already deprecated. Most people do not use 2G and 3G. They are on 4G LTE or 5G now on their phones. So our ability to study the dangers is greatly surpassed by the speed at which we have new technologies coming out. So, and why I'm giving this background is that why is 5G considered dangerous de facto by scientists? Well, all the previous technologies were unsafe and we are at the moment still uncovering the dangers of previous technologies. So. There's no reason to think, to quote uh, Joel Moskowitz, PhD, who's in, in policy and really, really talking about EMS and, and, and trying to make change because he, he, he said in a, in a scientific um, uh, American uh, article, he said, we have no reason to think that 5G is safe. It, there's zero reason it would be safe, considering that all previous versions were already harmful to some degree. And we know that there's effects on fertility, cancer risks, and there's many different lines of evidence that confirm it. So when we have 5G, new signals that are being used, sometimes in the very high millimeter waves, we have more towers closer to people, more intensity. And we also have scientific confirmation now from one study that is very recent that when 5G is installed, in a city, the electropollution background levels uh, will raise accord, uh, for the entire population. So the unavoidable exposures go up because, again, you're just adding so many towers that you're adding more to the problem. And really, the problem with 5G, to me, is not that 5G is that different from previous technologies or inherently more dangerous, which is what a lot of people online have tried to, to depict. Oh, 5G is so dangerous compared to other technologies. And I don't agree with that personally. I see that all previous technologies were unsafe, and 5G is equally unsafe and potentially even more unsafe because we go in more and more complex signal characteristics, which means that for the same unit of measurement in the amount of radiation you're measuring on an EMF meter, you might have double the harmful effects. And that's still in, in theory, but this is what we've seen from 3G to 4G, where you have the same amount of power level, but even more biological effect. So the more we tamper with the signals and make the signals, um, modify the signal with electrical engineering in a way that make them uh, better able to connect to the tower and uh, able to send more packets in two ways. And there, there's all sorts of tempering that they do with a the signal. These things have one focus in mind, connectivity. 
and it's not biological um, compatibility, right? So right. It, this is not taken into the equation at all. So this is really why scientists are calling for a worldwide moratorium on the installation of new towers or new tech technology. But there's a huge incentive for the industry and even governments to keep going with new technologies because there's also other aspects in society that... Um, would be upgraded by the 5G networks and beyond, or at least that's the rhetoric at the moment. The reality is many people in technology say, you know, we don't need 5G to do autonomous cars. We could use infrared or we could use uh, light signals. We could use other things rather than 5G millimeter waves. It's just that what the industry is selling is, okay, 5G will lead us in the future. And if we don't have 5G, we don't have the future. That's a cool story, but it looks more of a marketing message rather than really a, 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 an engineer analysis of where we want to go with technology or where, where we should go to better society. So it's something where we could rely still on a lot of fiber optics and wired technology and then minimize the amount that our wireless technologies are emitting rather than increasing the amount that we're exposing ourselves given the dangers. So bottom line is the more things that you could do as a human being to protect yourself, the wiser it is going to be ultimately. Yes. Um, we just don't know the effects of EMFs as a whole because the studies are so far behind how fast technology is advancing. So um, just anything you can do to protect yourself. I know that on a lot of the new phones, you can actually turn off your 5G capability. Um, so a lot of people are doing that. That's something to search for on your browser and figure out how to turn off your 5G capability. Uh, I would do that. And um, in, in the phone in cellular settings, sometimes you can decide, uh, you can force your phone to connect to the 4G network, for example, rather than 5G. Is it a good idea? <laughs> Yes, uh, but again, do not be fooled into thinking that 4G is safe. Because right. yeah. 3G was not safe, right? So, so it means that the same um, precautions need to be taken. For example, yes. if you put a phone in your pocket all day, every day, it should be on airplane mode or, or, or do not keep it in your pocket. If you're moving around the city, I understand, but still try to turn it off or have a special case. There are certain specialized products that deflect the radiation off of your body when you're carrying it in a pocket. But the Cleveland Clinic researchers, even in 2010, 12 years ago, were warning men that uh, the top five reasons that fertility is reduced in men is cell phone radiation. But that scientific understanding does not make it in policy. At the moment, there's barely any progress towards telling users do not put a phone in your pocket. Although when it comes to researchers and fertility, there's no doubt in their mind that it is impairing sperm count or quality. So that's crazy to me that we know scientifically there's damage and yet the average person on the street would not know it at all. Right. Nothing is being done about it. It's not changing yeah. policy. Exactly. Well, Nicholas, you are a wealth of knowledge. Tell people how they can find you and get on your newsletter list. 
Uh, sounds good. So at uh, theemfguy.com, and uh, there's a, I, I have a special report on 5G that goes in, into a little bit more detail than uh, what we talked about today. And if people subscribe to that, they're going to get on my newsletter uh, right after. I also have a podcast where I explore questions of the safe and unsafe technologies, uh, including healing uh, therapeutic technologies such as red light therapy or even PEMF, the pulse electromagnetic magnetic field therapy and um, various frequencies we can use to heal because there's also the good side of technological developments uh, that's for sure yeah well thank you so much we'll have your information up on our podcast site um, I'd love to have you back I know our listeners are just excited to hear your your knowledge and I do agree I think there's a lot of misinformation out there about EMFs that scares people on one side and and certainly all the cell phone companies are putting out um, complete mal information on pemfs on emfs so we the more we can get this out the better so thank you for being on i appreciate you and i love to have you back in the next couple of months it sounds good it would be my pleasure thank you so much. all right all right thanks again bye-bye bye-bye